Uh, we'll be speaking in a moment, you know, on a lifestyle of gratitude. Uh, but before I did that, we've uh, been doing a lot of, uh, uh, spending a lot of time expressing uh, thanks to one another. Uh, we did it at the staff meeting uh, last week. Uh, we did it with uh, all of the students uh, when we met with you, uh, uh, Sister Danuta, leading on that Friday. And so I just wanted to uh, actually, I wrote this, this part out because uh, I, I, wanted to, I knew what I wanted to say and I wanted to be very precise. Uh, I'd, I'd like to give personally an expression of gratitude uh, to the Lord uh, for uh, some things that, and I'll just read it to you. I want to thank the Lord for the 47 years and eight months that I have had the privilege of ministering on the campus of EBIC. For almost 100 years, Elam has been training people for worldwide revival ministry and has been led by eight presidents. I have been honored to serve on the administration of seven of these presidents. As I look back on almost a half century of ministry on the Holy Hill, I am deeply thankful for three things. First, I have been able to give my life to a mission that really matters. The mission of Elam Bible Institute and College is to prepare Christ-centered, spirit-empowered servant leaders for global ministry and worldwide revival. Jesus has allowed me to participate in, the, in this global mission through my position on the faculty and other leadership positions, including being the dean of students for the last 35 years. For this privilege, I am eternally grateful. Secondly, over the years, I have been able to serve with dozens of staff members, many who have been mentors and spiritual giants in my life. To name them all would take the whole chapel. Many times I have felt like a little child trying to keep pace with grown men and women. Past and present leadership has set a high standard in the way they have modeled Jesus. And I have been challenged to grow and be a better leader because of the relationship I enjoy with these colleagues. For that privilege also, I am eternally grateful. Thirdly, I count myself incredibly blessed to have had the opportunity to touch the lives of many hundreds of students in my tenure at ABINC. Looking back, I would not have wanted to do anything else with my life. Not all my students have loved me. Some years ago, one student stood with his father in my office, shaking his finger in my face and trembling with rage. The father told me that God would close the school within five years if I was allowed to continue in leadership. As the two of them stormed out of my office, the dad turned off my light switch to emphasize the point. There have also been other students I have poured my life, my love, and my soul into who have risen up like angry rattlesnakes and bit me and the venom that flows in your spiritual bloodstream from those bites makes you spiritually sick. But those have been exceptions. 
As I look back on my ministry, I've had more young men and women love me in one lifetime than any man deserves. But the real joy is knowing that wherever these men and women have gone around the world, accomplishing amazing things in the kingdom, I have had a small investment in their lives and participate in the fruit of their ministry. I am thankful for all the students, even the ones who have wounded me, for the privilege of serving them all. I am eternally grateful. So as we approach Thanksgiving 2021, I sit before you as a grateful man, giving honor to my current colleagues and this student body. I give special honor to our president, Dr. Ray, and my direct supervisor, Danuta Case, whom I affectionately refer to as Dr. Boss. It is an honor to serve on this team in the final days of my life, and my heart overflows with gratitude. Amen. A lifestyle of gratitude. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's going to all look on the screen, but uh, we'll make it work. A lifestyle of gratitude. Back in the late 1990s, uh, I had the privilege uh, for seven years uh, of working with uh, a denomination that was doing a church plant in the inner city of Rochester, was uh, north of the bus station and actually in the projects. Uh, and it was uh, an amazing opportunity. Uh, very quickly, uh, the church uh, that I was uh, involved with grew to uh, a little over 300 people. My wife and I were very easy to, uh, to recognize uh, on a Sunday morning there at the church because uh, there was about 298 African Americans in us. So uh, we, uh, we stood out. Uh, eventually I was uh, ordained uh, with the denomination. I had my credentials at that time with the Elam Fellowship. It was ordained by the Church of God in Christ uh, and became uh, an elder in this church. Uh, for a period of years as it was really uh, beginning to take direction and take off. Uh, and I remember the, uh, the first time that uh, I really began to think of a lifestyle of gratitude, uh, the way it would work uh, in the Afro-American churches. Uh, many times uh, an elder will actually begin the service, come up to the platform begin to lead in the chorus, pray. Yeah, it sometimes can go on for 15 minutes or more. And then at the back, you'll see the uh, pastor uh, and the choir, you know, and then they have a, uh, a processional, and uh, the pastor comes to the platform, and, and that's where things really begin to rock and roll, you know, in an African-American church. Uh, but I remember the first time that uh, I heard one of the elders open the service, and he started in prayer, and this is the way the prayer went. Lord, uh, I thank you that you woke me up this morning. The alarm clock went off, Lord, but 
it really wasn't the alarm clock that woke me up. It was you. You gave me breaths. You gave me life. I thank you, Lord, for another day. And I went to the closet, and Lord, uh, when I went to uh, choose something to wear, it wasn't just one suit that I had to choose from. There's actually two suits hanging in my closet. I had a choice. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me clothes to wear. And then, Lord, I went down to uh, the kitchen, and for breakfast, I had like three different kinds of cereal to choose from. I'm thankful, Lord, for your provision today. Uh, I had cornflakes, but I could have had raisin bran. And I'm like that, and I, I remember sitting there thinking, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a precious prayer. I thought it was unique to that brother. But then as I really began to move and became entrenched and, and finally uh, really accepted uh, into that African-American community, I saw that uh, it really wasn't an exceptional prayer that was focused on that individual's personality. It was the kind of prayer and the kind of attitude and the kind of heart of gratitude that the whole congregation had. Living in an inner city situation, you know, where where violence, uh, you know, the number of funerals that we had at that church for young men and sometimes young women uh, was just uh, heartbreaking at times. And so the gratitude that was there, the gratitude for details, Gratitude as a lifestyle. As a couple of foundation scriptures, I'm going to, you know, just uh, set this down as a foundation, and then I want to uh, share some things that are more uh, direct and personal. But in Colossians chapter two, we can go to the next slide, verses six and seven. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. A phrase that is repeated 25 times in that psalm alone. And of course, when we're talking about gratitude, that's that's where we start. We start with the recognition of Thankful for his goodness, thankful for his steadfast love. It often touches my heart uh, to uh, look at the uh, story of the healing of the ten lepers. You remember the story, he enters the village, he was met by ten. They stood at a distance, they lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God? except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
I think I hear a little bit of pain uh, in the heart of Jesus as he looked at the uh, uh, healing that had been performed, uh, but only one person came back to say thank you. Uh, And that thankfulness touched his heart. And when we move in a lifestyle of gratitude, uh, we begin with that thankfulness for his goodness, his steadfast love. But as I uh, continue on, and there were so many scriptures to look at in connection with Thanksgiving. I want to contrast the tension between two scriptures, and this is where I really want to get kind of down and personal with you this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then in Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I look at that, uh, the contrast between those two verses, the tension between them, it's one thing to say in everything, you know, give thanks. It's another thing to say for everything, give thanks. I once heard a minister um, make the statement that uh, it was never communicated in the New Testament to give thanks for all things. But Paul told us to give thanks in all things. Thankfully, it wasn't an Elam graduate that said that. You guys are more trained in the scriptures. You knew better. But I think of the, uh, just in my own life, I can think of the uh, situation of the birth of my first daughter. Uh, What an amazing experience that was. I remember when I, I I saw her, I couldn't hold her yet, but I could see her. And they laid her in my wife's arms after the birth, and I just began to weep. And the, uh, the nurses said, oh, you're, you're crying over your new baby girl. And I said, no, I'm crying because I love my wife so much. I said, if I didn't worship Jesus... I think I would worship that woman because of what I just saw her go through to bring that life into the world. But then I remember coming home. It was cruel and unusual punishment in those days. You weren't able to actually go in and hold your baby as a father. Uh, But when we got home, uh, I sat in the rocking chair that had been... uh, we had purchased uh, for the purpose of rocking our new baby. And my wife came over and laid my little daughter, my firstborn daughter, in my arms. And I put, lifted up the receiving blanket and I counted her little toes. And I counted her fingers and I said, oh, Lord, what an incredible day this is. I dedicated her to the Lord And then I had this strange thought. Someday there's going to be some guy that's going to come and take her away. You know, and I said, grrr. (laughs) But then I started to pray for that guy, whoever he was. And when he finally came along, I loved him like my own son. 
But I, I, you know, it was so easy to give thanks on that day. And then watching my daughter grow and develop, I can remember the day that my wife and I led her to the Lord. We had that privilege. She was five years old, and we felt like uh, she really began to understand some things. And we said the prayer with her, and I had the joy of leading my firstborn daughter to the Lord. And then watching her accomplishments, you know, in high school, and seeing different things that she did. She was a member of a choir that uh, toured uh, in high school, went to Washington, you know, sang in a special concert there. Just gave thanks. It was such such a wonderful, wonderful thing to see her. I, the, the day of her, her wedding, the day that uh, she announced that she was pregnant with what, what is going to be our first grandchild. It's easy to give thanks in those kind of circumstances. But as you know, that firstborn daughter that I'm talking about, we lost her at age 25. And the baby that was inside her at that point, they tried to save. She was six months pregnant, uh, but they weren't able to save the baby. And so I stood by a casket, the little baby that I had held in my arms and dedicated with such gratitude in my heart as a child. And watched the way that she grew and developed. And now I looked at my beautiful daughter in a casket. And we were able to bury our little granddaughter, Jessica Grace, in her mother's arms. And as I stood that casket, I have to say to you that I wasn't able to say at that point, you know, thank you, Lord, for taking her. It was easy to give thanks in all things but then to give thanks for all things, it created a tremendous tension in my life. But that tension is resolved in what I call the heads and tails principle. I have a quarter there. If I was to put... uh, a quarter in the hand of someone who had never seen American money before and laid it uh, down in the person's hand uh, with the heads showing and then gave another person that had never seen American money a uh, the same coin or different coin but uh, a quarter as well with the, uh, the tails part showing. And then I said to them, describe what you have in your hand you would think probably they would be describing something different. You know, one would describe this, uh, this figure who, you know, we know is George Washington and, uh, you know, the word, uh, you know, liberty that's there. And then the other person would describe it. It, it looks like a, a large eagle, you know, with wings that are spread wide open. And you say, well, they must be describing something different. But no, they're, they're describing the same thing. It's the same quarter. It's just depending what side you look at. 
And I put a little statement above with an arrow interchanging between the two things. And what Lord, the Lord has showed me in my life uh, in all of these kind of things, that we give thanks for all things by giving thanks in all things. Or you can reverse the statement. By giving thanks in all things, we are also giving thanks for all things. As an example, when I looked at my daughter in that casket, I could say, thank you, Lord, that when she died, she loved you. Thank you, Lord, that when she died, she was uh, in such wonderful relationship with her family. Uh, there was nothing between us. Uh, our, our relationship was solid. I thank you, Lord, that, uh, that I will see her without, without any question. I will see her one day in eternity. And so even in tragic circumstances, there are pieces that you can find to say, I thank you, Lord, for this. And in doing and thanks for that, you are thanking the Lord in that circumstance and vice versa. So the heads and the tails principle. But the last principle I want to leave with you, and it's really related to uh, a lifestyle of gratitude, and I don't think that you can really have a lifestyle of gratitude unless you really lay hold of this principle. And the principle is this. We build a house of gratitude on the foundation of learned contentment. We build a house of gratitude on the foundation of learned contentment. Paul says in Philippians 4, not that I am speaking of being in need. You can go to the next slide, thank you. For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. For decades of my life, I ran, I lifted weights, I stayed in shape. I was abounding. Some of the reason that I did that is because I wanted to look nice for my wife. Some of the reason I did that was that I've always been working with young, beautiful people like yourself. And I wanted to be able to keep up with you. And so for years, you know, I could be over in the late weight room and, uh, you know, was lifting weights with uh, the best of them. That was in the past. A week ago last Saturday, I, I went to the living room. We had about 35 students there, wonderful time. The deans were there, and Andrew, Brother Andrew and Sister Callie were there, and we had just had a wonderful time discussing things. And uh, when I left, I had to uh, make my way up the stairs there in College Hall 
and I had to have Josh Cargan on my, my right-hand side. I had the railing, but I had to have my brother behind me, and I had Ethan and Jade behind me in case, you know, I went back. And I just thought, what a contrast. And there was a time when I was strong, time when I could do Dalton Road, run all the way to the end, three miles, and then back up, you know, three miles, no problem. I was abounding. Uh, a week ago last Saturday, I had to have help going up a little flight of stairs. Uh, I've been brought low. But whatever circumstances I am in, because Christ strengthens me, I have learned to be content. Or my relationship with my wife, which in addition to my relationship with Jesus is was the most precious relationship that I, that I ever had. For 43 years, uh, my wife was in my arms at night. You can relax. This is not marriage in the family. This is going to be... <laughs> if it was marriage and family class, you could start to squirm a little bit. <laughs> but for this morning, this is G-rated. G-rated. But uh, my wife uh, would come over. We each had little reading lights over our head that she arranged. But she would come over when we got into bed, and she put her head on my shoulder, and we had a little ritual that we developed very early in our marriage. And we would just uh, take a moment to say, thank you, Lord, uh, for one another, something different, some little thing that we were really grateful for and our relationship with, the, with one another. And then we would speak a short blessing over one another. And she would uh, you know, go on her side under her light and read, and I would read. 90% of the time, she shut her life out before uh, I did. And then she would come back over, and she would always fall asleep with her head on my shoulder and my arm around her. Uh, for 43 years, uh, I held her like that as we slept. I was abounding. For 6.5 years, she slept on my shoulder, but I had to pull her over because she had Alzheimer's and she was losing it. And what would happen is that she would get up in the middle of the night and she was so quiet uh, she could walk outside in the snow on a winter's night in her little flimsy nightgown. And so uh, I had to literally uh, hold her and uh, slept very, very lightly because if she tried to get out of bed, I immediately recognized it. Towards the end, she had lost uh, so much control, uh, I had to put her in diapers. My beautiful, articulate, amazing wife that could do anything. I would have to wake up at 3 in the morning and put another pamper on her if we were going to wake up in a dry bed the next morning. That was for six and a half years. 
for 43 years, the arms of love. For 6.5 years, the arms of protection. And now for the last year of my life, last year that's uh, gone by, I've had a little black and white tuxedo cat that slept next to me. It's not the same. I wish my wife was there. But because Christ has strengthened me, I've come to the place where I say, whatever situation I am in, I will be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you have that kind of learned contentment, even in the place where you've had tremendous loss, you can still live in a lifestyle of gratitude. You can still wake up in the morning and say, you know, thank you, Lord, for another day. I'm not looking to substitute that relationship. As you know, my wedding ring is still on. It's going to stay on. You're not going to see any new girl in my life. I've actually had a couple of opportunities uh, but, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've shut them down, uh, because, uh, this wedding ring represents the love of my life. Uh, my daughter can take it off when I cross over into eternity to be with Jesus and the family that I've sent on before. So in this situation, why I have such joy in my ministry to you, uh, to the students, you know, uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, even in the midst of loss, I have so much still to be thankful for. And I want you to know I'm thankful for each one of you. And I'm thankful for you, my colleagues, and the opportunity and the privilege it is to minister uh, with such incredible people who are friends and people that have invested so much in me. Sister Sylvia, who actually, when our daughter died, she wasn't able to make it to the funeral, but she did a major rearrangement of her schedule and flew into Virginia Beach within hours of the funeral. And Sister Sylvia sat with our family for a day and a half and ministered to us. That's the kind of relationship I've had with my colleagues here at Elam over the years. And I'm so thankful for it. In the midst of loss, in the midst of uh, the circumstances that uh, didn't go the way that I wanted them to go, I would never have chosen Alzheimer's for my wife. And let's get real. I would have never chosen cancer it was going to bring me to a place where, you know, I have to sit in this chair and just uh, share with you out of my heart and hope that the anointing's there because I can't pace around 
I used to do that. I used to sometimes go in, in the front row. I, one time I stood up on the chair. Uh, you know, I was uh, you know, very dynamic. I'm not standing on any chairs now, uh, but I'm content and I'm grateful for what God has given me. And so that's what I pray that you will take with you as you come into the Thanksgiving season. As you go home, I'd like to give you Colossians 3 as a benediction over you as I pray at the conclusion of this time together. Colossians 3 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Oh Lord Jesus, this morning I give thanks to you. I give thanks to you for your goodness in my life. I give thanks to you, Lord, because of the incredible blessings that you still bring into my life. In the midst even of loss and pain and separation, I thank you for the gift of this student body, the opportunity that I still have to share with them to build relationship with them. I thank you for the relationship that I have with each of my colleagues. Lord, you have blessed me with such incredible people. I thank you, Lord, for that. And I pray that this morning, even as we began the service, praying really in in the spirit and worshiping in the spirit for the precious nephew of Sister Danuta. Uh, Lord, we, we surrendered that situation to you. And we say, Lord, in our hearts, we would cry out for healing. We would cry out for resurrection life. We don't know what the outcome will be. But Lord, we say that whichever way it goes, we love you and we will live a life of gratitude because of your goodness and because of your grace. Lord, impart that to my friends as they face different things, maybe even over the holiday season finding things maybe in their home situation, seeing a problem with mom or dad or a brother or sister that's not uh, walking with you, situations that bring pain. Uh, Lord, even in those situations, may we find ways to give thanks to you. And as we give thanks in all things, We will be giving thanks for all things and vice versa. We surrender our life today to live as grateful, thankful people.
So we thank you for the salvation and your steadfast love, which makes it all possible. We trust you with our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen.